27 members of the whole fam damnly. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. It always is. I can imagine. Are you on? Uh, check one. There you go. All right. Oogie dookie. Welcome back to the unrestricted folks. Gobble, gobble. Happy Thanksgiving. It's Vex and Bob today. No Wally, no Richie. They're gone on Thanksgiving vacation, but we thought we would cut something for you guys to um, take your Thanksgiving drives. I know you got to commute to your mother-in-laws or whatever. You got to have something to listen to. So here are me and Bob. Yeah, I'm wondering, are they starting to defrost on their turkey? <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I don't know where they are, uh, but they are not here, which is the imperative part of doing the podcast. Allegedly. Today's podcast brought to you by River City Refuels. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not kidding. It is really brought to you by River City Refuels. But what I don't have is the copy to read because Walter has it in his folder. I don't know. They they do the vending machines for your business, your apartment, wherever you are. We'll put anything on it. We'll put anything in it. You might not want to put the uh, Virginia Slims in the, in yeah. the machine because we don't like that anymore. Right, but unless you remember the phone number, you're wasting breath. <sighs> anyway, you can Google yeah. search River City Refuels. We thank them for sponsoring our show, and we hope to add more sponsors. Let us know if you're interested. Um, we do have a lot to get to. It's a big week in sports. It was a big week just past. Mm -hmm. Let me run down the list. The Cowboys took care of business again against the Carolina Panthers. The Spurs have now lost nine times in a row. Nine times. Nine times in a row. Nine times. Nine times. <laughs> nine What's... in a row, not good for the San Antonio Spurs. Texas Longhorns took care of business up in Ames, Iowa, but they didn't get any help. We got to talk about that. The Houston Texans strike again, beating the Arizona Cardinals. And Monday night football last night, let's... Take care of that first on our plate. Kansas City loses at home to Philadelphia with an amazing comeback in the second half. Look, They looked down and out in that game, did Philadelphia. Didn't look like they could run it. Didn't look like they could throw it. Didn't look like they could stop Kansas City. And then the second half proved to be a different football game. Chiefs weren't playing football in the second half. What were they doing? I don't know. Wondering where Taylor Swift was, that she wasn't in the stands. Something to that effect, because they looked like a completely different team. They looked like they were playing silly football. And if I have a criticism of the Kansas City Chiefs, it's that sometimes they get a little too cute for their own britches. And it looked like in the second half, they felt like they were going to win that football game just because they were the Chiefs. And they played kind of silly. They stopped taking care of the little things. And when you stop taking care of the little things, it becomes a big thing in the NFL. And and they had some unfortunate missteps. That that Kelsey Those are the fumble, little things. Yeah. Sometimes a look at turnovers is just a happenstance thing. I mean, if you're not taking care of the rest of the game, yeah, a little happenstance thing will hurt you. But the Kelsey fumble, <sighs> all of the offensive false starts, the red zone inefficiencies, um, they were running the football expertly last night against Philadelphia, and then they kind of went away from it. I don't necessarily know why. I mean, every look, I know how good Patrick Mahomes is. We all do. But he's got to be frustrated with his wide receivers. I mean, on third and fourth down, he's completing passes that get dropped. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even that one at the end, going into the end zone, which, I mean, he had to do based on down and distance, but 
that was catchable. I mean, it wasn't catchable by an average receiver in the NFL, but it was catchable. It's catchable. That's one that I think most receivers expect they come down with. And that's what I, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Have they lost so much punch on offense without Tyreek Hill that they are no longer that juggernaut on the offensive side? Because if you look at Kansas City last night, I thought their defense was good. Mm-hmm. Their special teams was mm-hmm. very good. Their kicker still hasn't missed this season. They got a couple of plus returns from, um, uh, I want to say Nicole Hardiman, but that's not the guy's name, the punt returner last night uh, on Kendarius Tony. So so they are, they're doing well in several phases of the game, and oddly enough, it's their offensive pass attack that seems to be hurting them. What? That's not the Chiefs we've come to know. And lack of lack of really good weapons in I, maybe complacency. You know, I, I think they get silly. You've you've landed the hot chick, therefore you're going to stop going to the gym. I don't know. I mean, you can't put it on Kelsey. He had another good night. I mean, not great, obviously, with his fumble inside the red zone, but a good night. It's just that he doesn't have any help. Yeah. Why? And look, um. There, there was a touchdown pass for 55 yards that should have been completed, right? Mm-hmm. Now the Eagles could turn around and say, well, we had one of those as well, you know. Um, but nonetheless, I thought it was a great game. It was a good game to watch, yeah, absolutely. What do you feel like take coming out of that better win better or worse loss? <sighs> the AFC, for me, has flattened. So the Chiefs are going to be in there at the end. So as long as as long as they come back together by the by the playoffs, I think they're going to be fine. So I think it's a better win for the Eagles because it puts them ahead of the Lions and it puts them ahead of the 49ers for that bye. And quite frankly, as a 49ers fan, I don't I don't want to go to Philadelphia. And it grew the gap against the Dallas Cowboys, which is something that Philadelphia desperately needs to stay ahead of because they have a tough schedule and the Cowboys, frankly, are playing cream puffs for the next couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the yeah, the Eagles have the 49ers. That scares me as a Niner fan. And, but it's in Philadelphia. So, so we'll see a, we'll see a preview of that. And you're right. The, the, the Cowboys are playing nobody. Do you know who I thought the winner was last night? Who? The Dallas Cowboys. Neither team looked good enough for me to be, Shaking in my boots over, can the Cowboys beat them? Okay. I could see that. You know what I mean? Like, look, the Cowboys, I get it. They're playing cream puffs on their schedule right now, but they are taking care of business. They did so against Carolina. They made them look like the team that they are, right? A two-win team, one-win team. But they threw up a stat of who the Cowboys have beat and who the Cowboys have lost to. They've beat teams that are at or below 500 and lost to teams that are above. I'm aware of this. I'm aware of this, and it's what we as Cowboys fans consider to be their biggest bugaboo is that, you know, when they get up against somebody who's of their same size, they can't just bully them anymore. No. But, alas, you can only play the schedule that you're you're given, and I expect the Cowboys to go out and take care of business in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. against Washington and Seattle. Yeah. All right. You ready for the big conversation around San Antonio? Uh, why the Spurs are providing no support to Wemby? Exactly. Is that how you view it? 
That's what it looks like to me. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm looking at if I just look at the stat line, it looks like this this kid is playing lights out as a rookie. And he's got nobody around him. There is no reason why he should be leading in scoring, leading in a whole bunch of other categories. Except that the rest of the team kind of no support whatsoever. Okay, so we know that we have a young and untalented, mostly, roster. We know this. But let's not take Wimby and take him completely off the hook. Because last night against the Clippers, he was flat out bad. He was 4-12 from the field. 0 of 4 from 3, including two air balls, and he only grabbed three rebounds. That's not good enough. You're 7 for 5, you need more than three rebounds. I can understand you have off shooting nights, that's acceptable. But the Spurs were in that game and played pretty well for about three quarters of it before getting blown out. But that's that seems to be what's happening in every game, is they're kind of in it, they're kind of in it, and then the fourth quarter comes in and they just take a break? (laughs) No, they just can't get it done. They just can't cut the mustard when it comes to nut cutting time for for the NBA. I mean, that's what you expect from a young team. And I've had this conversation with a lot of my friends. I will be happy if this year continues this way as long as it doesn't involve a Wimby injury. Where Wimby plays, our young guys play, we're competitive in almost all of our games, And we lose them all in the fourth quarter because we're just young and dumb and we don't know how to execute yet. We are waiting for something to happen. And the waiting for something to happen is we're waiting for Wimbanyama to be thick enough, big enough, to where he can hold his position on the low block. At 19, he can't do it. At 23, he'll be able to do it and he'll be able to run the offense through a guy at 7'5 who can hold his position on the left block and we'll be awesome. We just have to bide our time and assess, or rather accrue, lottery picks on the way there. I'm perfectly happy with the way this season has gone. I am just, it baffles the mind, and I just want to bang my head every time I hear people say, you know, we should be better than this. No, no, not really. I mean, you're trying out a a second-year guy at point guard, a position he's never played. Yeah. You have Keldon Johnson as your number two, and he's meant to be your number four. You have Devin Vassell on the sideline, which has really hurt the Spurs, the best all-around player for San Antonio, and a young roster around him. We're running our offense through Zach Collins at some points in the games. That's not exactly an NBA juggernaut. I mean, I don't want to use the bad four-letter word with the ing behind it. The Tanking, don't, fucking, don't don't use. <laughs> you're allowed. To, you're allowed to use the f word, not the t word. <laughs> okay. Because the Spurs were doing this, it seemed last year as well. It was like you know we're not going to sit players. We're not going to overtly just not put in a good effort. We're going to go out there to play, but we have nobody. I mean, nobody experienced. We're, we're just going to go out there and give these guys experience and see what happens. If we end up with a top pick, we end up with a top pick. Sure. It almost feels that way again, and not and not because we're giving guys experience. It's Are we going to spend a half of a season with Popovich just trying to figure out 
what the lineup looks like? No, I think we're going to spend the entire season doing that. Okay. I went to the Spurs-Memphis game on Saturday night with my son. And let me tell you, the Spurs were winning that game by almost 20 for most of the first half. And third quarter, Memphis starts coming back. The game became close. Coming out fourth quarter, Pop puts in a lineup, and I was baffled. There was no offense on the floor. Like, none. It was Dougie McBuggets, G.D. Osmond, uh, Mamu, Trey Jones, and maybe I forget who the last guy was. But it was there was no offense. Mm-hmm. There was nobody for us to run the for us to run our offense through. Zach Collins was on the bench. Wimby was on the bench. Keldon Johnson was on the bench. Okay. At this point in the season, and with this current roster the way it's constructed, you got to know that one of those three guys needs to be on the floor for us to have any semblance of offense at the at the other end. And of course, the Spurs go several minutes without scoring. Memphis gets back into the game. They start rolling and they run away with it at the end. Pop is going to tinker. And if it costs us games, it costs us games. Guess what? We don't care. Adjust, adjust your expectations, Spurs fans. If you're thinking this is supposed to be a 42-win team in the play-in games, you were kidding yourself. I just want them to win 32 games so I win the parlay that I've had in my head since the beginning of the season. You thought they were going to go over on the win total? Yes. Oh, see, you know I never did, and I told I know, you that. I know you never did. <sighs> Come on. There's no, there, there is nothing in it for the Spurs to win 32 games. A worse lottery pick? Thank you anyway. I'll be the worst team in the Western Conference and get the number one, two, or three pick. Thank you. And and I don't know if if it obtains in the NBA like it does in football, where where you're getting beat on a regular basis for whatever reason, and specifically at the quarterback position, you just sap all self confidence out of your out of your quarterback. Okay. I I have no I've never talked to Victor. He wouldn't know me if he saw me in the street. I'd know him because he's really tall. Yeah. You would. Do we run that risk? No, this isn't like Derek Carr at the Houston Texans where he gets hit so many times he gets gun shy. This isn't like that. Okay. That's not how it works in the NBA. You the- got to take your lumps as a young man. Okay. I mean, even LeBron James had a rookie season that wasn't like eye popping it's going to take us to the take us to the promised land okay. for God's sakes. I mean, yeah, he improved his team. And I would tell you that Victor Wimbanyama to this point has improved his team, even though some nights it doesn't look like it. They're better. They're more entertaining. You know it. You know you're watching these games, folks. You know you are. And it's a better team. That's why. Okay. I I just have that in the back of my head of I mean, he's a he's a very mature nineteen year old. He just, is. Just by virtue of what he came through to but get But he's here. not physically mature yet, and yeah. he has a long yeah. growth uh, curve coming up. Yeah. I mean, David Robinson at Victor's age still had another four or five inches to grow. Absolutely true, <laughs> and he was, like, still struggling to get into a submarine, and he took two years off before coming back to the Spurs. I mean, look, it takes a while to be physically ready for the NBA unless you're LeBron James because he was the freakish 
most freakish 18, 19 year old in the history of humankind. So right now, where do you put where where do you put the race for rookie of the year? I put Chad Holmgren first, and I'm fine with that. He deserves it so far. But its story's not told yet. True. Book is not closed. Um, Shifting. I thought that Texas looked pretty good in their win against Iowa State. I was impressed with the running game. Did not seem like it had missed a beat. Mm. Um, I was depressed because Texas, again, looked like they were going to get some help from the teams surrounding them, but they did not. Florida State lost their quarterback, still managed to come back and beat Northern Alabama. I thought maybe Michigan was going to be in trouble. Oh, no. They went to Maryland and took care of business. It was just fine for Michigan. They got no help again. I Oh, Washington. Sorry, I almost left that out. Washington looked like they might have a hard time winning, but they wound up getting it done. I yeah, I'm still looking at Wash. I I haven't looked at any of the rankings. Obviously, we don't have the CFP rankings yet, but I would kind of leapfrog Florida State with Washington. I think well, Washington's better, and Florida State's lost their quarterback, so there's two big deals. Well, except I absolutely detest and abhor the entire Pac-12. Sure, and I don't think wins inside that conference mean anything on the greater national stage. So. Pac-12 packs ass. Yeah, did the lowest lowest media revenue per team. In the Power Five? Yeah, fuck off. So Texas gets their shot at Texas Tech on Friday, which is pretty awesome. I'm going to be at that game. Oh, cool. Yeah. Look, they just have to do – they have to do what they're expected to do. They have to go out there and kill Texas Tech. They need some style points. They haven't gotten many in the last couple of weeks against teams that they were expected to beat. This is another one where they're expected to win, and they need the style points. And – I think a very straight-faced person could say that Alabama has passed them. Yes, but head-to-head still matters. <sighs> head-to-head does matter. Not not head-to-head from, like, two months ago. No, allegedly the college football, you know, playoff people are looking at head-to-head. And they ought to be. And common opponents, of course. I, most common being if you played head-to-head. I know they are, but if I look at Alabama's resume over the last four to six weeks since that loss, do they or do they not look better than Texas? Absolutely. If that's what you're asking, who's the better team right this second, Texas or Alabama, I think it's Alabama. Yeah. But that's not what the rankings are for. I know. It's a, at some level, it's a farce in my head, and the CFP is a TV show. <laughs> Which, which is actually one of, one of my antis or cons for Washington. What is that? They're not going to draw anybody on the TV. Yeah. Un- unless you're a West Coast fan or what, you're sitting on the West Coast, you, have, you see, have you watched Washington? I actually have. I feel like I've watched them quite a bit, but maybe that's just because it's easy for me to stay up and watch Saturday night games. That's when the kids are asleep. Yeah, but you're also a degenerate. So yeah, I, that's I'm, that, that know, too. Mm. That too. So I don't know. I uh, I don't know. I I could see Alabama passing Florida State and Washington. Okay. If for me, what happens this week drives a lot of what goes forward. For what me, do you think is going to happen this week with Michigan Ohio State? It's not going to be a blowout on either side. I think it's going to be a close game within one possession, and I think the committee is going to have a really really tough time. If Ohio State loses to Michigan by, say, two points, what do you do? 
I mean, do, do you do you just punt on it and say, well, Ohio State's got one loss, therefore Washington goes in? I think it's got to be viewed as the first round of a play-in, right? Where it's an elimination game. It has to be. That's the way it would be for Texas if they were playing Oklahoma and each was undefeated yeah. in the Big 12 title game. Yeah. I. What I struggle with is, is if your remit is to pick the four best teams in college football for that game, leaving everything behind you, why does it ma- what does it matter that Washington is undefeated? I mean, because it if I if I come into this room next Tuesday and you tell me that Ohio State lost to Michigan by two points or the flip, the flip is actually worse. It, Michigan can't lose at home. I, no, because I don't think Michigan gets in with a loss. Not if that loss is to anybody at home. Yeah. But if it's Ohio State that goes that that loses by two points on the road, does does that make them a worse team than a Washington? I don't think it does. A worse team than a Florida State? So I want to separate Washington and Florida State because I've watched them both this year. I don't think Florida State's very good. I think they've had a weak schedule, and I don't think they're great. I think Washington is good. Washington, Washington scares people. They have too much talent on the perimeter with their wide receivers and a talented quarterback in Michael Penix. Yeah, and I, they did look impressive in that USC game. Yep. For me. And they've taken care of business with the ranked opponents that they have had. So I got to give them credit. They've played tough games and won them. Okay. I'm, I'm still, I'm still going to lean back on I hate the Pac-12, the entire Pac-12, and I'm glad it's going away. That's just your blind hatred. Um, are you mad about the uh, Jim Harbaugh experience for your Michigan Wolverines? <sighs> In some ways, I'm not because I think that team and 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 the kids are going to use it as a rallying cry. They have so far, and they're gonna they're gonna play over their heads because of it. I'm a little pissed off at the Big Ten. I think they overstepped their bounds, and since since in the since in every conference, if the conference is handing down discipline, it's under the policies of the conference, not the policies of the NCAA. Right. Remember, NCAA has that rule, which imputes knowledge on the head coach. They don't have to pu- they don't have to prove anything. Just you should have known, therefore you're held responsible. Big Ten doesn't have that policy. So, what were they disciplining Harbaugh for? They admitted they had no evidence that that Harbaugh was in knowledge of anything. Right. They admitted it, and they're not doing any investigation on them. They're relying on the NCAA. It was they in my mind they extorted Michigan and Harbaugh to pull back on their lawsuit and take their medicine. Because they had evidence that one of the uh position coaches, like the linebackers coach, yep. was receiving money from a donor to support the illegal surveillance of other teams. <laughs> Uncle T. Yeah, Uncle T. Yeah. And and I think that they just went to they went to Michigan and Harbaugh go, you know. You could take you could take us to court. You know what's going to come out in court? Hey, look at this. Look at what we have. That doesn't look very good for you, does it? Right. Okay, we'll take back our. <sighs> yeah. But I, I I'm I'm not. I think Michigan is going to get business done on Ohio State. We'll see. We'll and, see. And if they do, the one thing the one thing the Big Ten didn't do is remember they haven't declared. Michigan ineligible for the bowl. No, 
And that is the only way that the CFP doesn't doesn't rank them. Yeah. And they're doing that with... Uh, yeah, I forget what team. James Madison. That's who it is, yeah. Yeah. They refuse to rank them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, despite protests. Um, look, we got to get out of here. I want to give you something for the Houston Texans fans out there. And even if you're not a Houston Texans fans, Houston Texans fan, <laughs> you still have to be impressed with how good C.J. Stroud is and with the fact that they keep on winning. They're kind of good. They're kind of sneaky good. Who, and I've told you, I think they're going to win their division. Right now, who do you put above C.J. Stroud in the MVP conversation? Oh, there's still a couple of people, and Stroud didn't have his best against the Arizona Cardinals. But, like, look, I think by the time this is over, I think McCaffrey's going to be back in the conversation uh, as long as he stays healthy. Of course, that's always the asterisk. Um, I think Jalen Hurts still deserves to be in that conversation. And Lamar Jackson is probably your front runner, particularly if they keep winning without Mark Andrews, who got hurt last weekend. Yeah. Right? C.J. Stroud's a much nicer story than all those he other is. guys. He is. And look, listen to this quote. after he, he starts it talking about after he threw an important interception, and he goes to D'Amico Ryans, his head coach, and uh, they talk it out. Like, this has got to give you, like, goosebumps. If you're an actual Houston Texans fan and this is your leader, this is the kind of guy you want. I threw the interception. I let him know, man, like, I got your back. Like, I know I made a mistake, um, but uh, that one play doesn't define me, and I'm going to uh, go prove myself again. And they knew that it would come down to the wire. We knew that, too. Um, and I just went to D'Amico and let him know, man, like, I got you. Like, We're going to win this game. And he, he looked me right in the eye and said, I trust you. So um, uh, it's, it's amazing to have – uh, trusting your head coach, and I'm a rookie, and and my OC Bobby, man. Like uh, I think Bobby, we need to give him his flowers. He called a great game again, um, lean on his players, and, and, and took risk. Um, and and I appreciate him for even doing that. Like how uh, cool is that, man? That kid, that kid's got the it. He does, and 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 it's interesting that it's a rookie quarterback performing this well under a head coach who's really not an offensive guy, right? Right, he's been a defensive guy since he played there. Which which I wonder if that helps out Stroud, where the head coach really isn't all that in your face about what you should or should not be doing. Hmm. I mean, um, imagine Harbaugh and the Bears next season, you know, just riding herd over who's under center in the Bears. Oh, by the way, that's my other prediction. What? Har- Harbaugh's not in college next year. Really? You think he's gone? You think this is I think enough? Last I, straw? I think it's enough. I think it's, yeah, he's just going to... He's going to do a Pete Carroll and just leave the situation before the situation comes down on him. Yeah. And right now it's it's the Chargers, and I'm, I still am amazed that Staley still has a job. Aren't we all? Did you see his post-game press conference? No. What he was his? basically threw his entire team under the bus. Oh, God. I like our scheme. I like our – don't don't question me about my, about my defensive playing. I'm calling the plays. This is my scheme. I'm happy with it. I'm happy the way the, my coaching is going and all that. You just threw your entire team in the locker room under the bus. That's got to mean that his t- clock is ticking. His clock he, is definitely ticking. He's He should have felt the pressure going back two seasons ago. The guy is one of the weirdest, weirdest game managers in the NFL, and for some reason the Chargers don't seem to care. Yeah, so, so I think it's the Chargers, and I the Bears aren't playing for anything, so I think his job is okay to the end of the year, but Eberflus is on the way out. Um. This, you know, by the way, the Steelers fired their offensive coordinator this morning. Not surprisingly, Matt Canada out in uh, Pittsburgh. They can't score. 
What? What are you what laughing I, at? What I love about that is that the Fire Canada meme has gone all across the country outside <laughs> of football. It was it, I watched a clip a week or so ago where at the at a Penguins game just it spontaneously erupts into a Fire Canada chant. Really? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> so, but I mean, I wonder I wonder if that turn turns that around. A little bit like that happened in Buffalo when they fired their OC there. Yeah. And they seem to play pretty good this week. And I mean, it was against the Jets. But but it was something. But the Jets have a good offense, and they put some numbers down. Jets have a good defense. Yeah, that's right. No, the Jets don't have a good offense. <laughs> Zach Wilson has been benched. Yes, he has. Before he gets hurt. And that's the other story in the NFL is hurt quarterbacks. Everybody's got a backup. This week we saw Joe Burrow go down. It's easy to forget that since it was back on Thursday night. But uh, oh yeah, the Bengals are done. I gotta figure they are. I gotta figure they are. And as a 49ers homer, I'm happy with our with our backup. Yeah, I know if Brock Purdy has to go down again, we're fine. Yeah, we're fine. Well, it's been a story this season, and. It always is. I mean, injuries always are in the NFL. It's just this year seems to be a lot of top-flight quarterbacks, going back to Aaron Rodgers on opening night. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, you know, a lot of, a lot of players going down on the lines and, you know, whatever team you want, you want to pick. I wonder, I mean, since the owners and the, and the league are pushing for 18 games, what do they do with rosters? Because they're going to have players going down left and right. You have to. I, I wonder if it's an expanded roster. It almost has to be. It has to be to get through an eighteen-game schedule. Mm-hmm. Hey, we want to thank you guys for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving. What are you going to do, Bob? I am probably going to end up rowing a good portion of the day. Nice. Ever, nice. Ever, ever told get you some fitness? Well, I I do this thing every year where I row two hours on, two hours off for Thanksgiving. Two hours on, two hours off. What mm-hmm. do you mean? So I start rowing at midnight. What? Row for two hours, I go rest for two hours, and I come back on and row for another two hours. And then do that again? Yeah, until 10 o'clock Thanksgiving night. That's insane. So there is a story behind this. If you're looking for something to watch, if you can find it, there's a great documentary called Losing Sight of Shore. It's about the first four-person team to row across the Pacific. Oh, wow. Took them six or so odd months. They did it in two stints. San Francisco to Hawaii, Hawaii to Fiji, Fiji to Australia. Oh, my God. And I'm a little bit burying the lead, but the team was all female. Wow. And before they had done it, they had had teams that were dying on this trip. Because the deal is, is you go out there, except for your scheduled layovers, you're not allowed to get any support. They'll track you, they'll watch you, and hopefully come in and save you at some point, but no support. And they had days where they were basically going backwards. Really? So, but one of one of the comments and it the title of the movie comes from a, a quote from one of the one of the rowers. It was you're really not going to accomplish anything until you're willing to lose sight of shore. And it's actually a quote that comes back. I forget who it was. It may have been Christopher Columbus going way back, but mm-hmm. just the whole journey and their thought on it. Some of these weren't like like accomplished like Olympic rowers. These were just kind of normal-ish crazy women. Really? Mm-hmm. That is crazy. So I got the idea of doing that because I don't like to go to people's places on Thanksgiving. So this keeps you out of, the, out of, the, out of that whole loop, doesn't it? It does because I don't want to offend people. <laughs> By what? 
hating turkey? No, picking shit out of the things that they make, the dishes they make. So if I see chunks of onion in food, I start picking it out. Oh, my God. What's wrong with onions? And mushrooms, most vegetables. Onions is just a texture for me. I don't like the texture. Man, you're a picky eater. So if you dice it up enough and I don't have to see it. (laughs) So anyway, so that's what I'm doing. What are you doing? Oh, 27 members of the whole fam damnly. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be interesting. It always is. I can imagine. I always wish that there had been a a Thanksgiving version of Christmas Vacation for this reason. (sighs) Yeah, it seems like Thanksgiving is the worst, is the worster of the, the worster? Yeah, the worster of the holidays (laughs) for like family drama. It can be. It certainly can be. And in our family, we don't necessarily get together for Christmas, but we sure as hell get together for Thanksgiving. I wonder why you don't. Anyway, it's a mystery to us all. (laughs) (laughs) But we all get together for Thanksgiving, and it is, yeah, 27 people. 27 adults, by the way, and like nine kids. Adults in age. Yes, adults in age. (laughs) Let's see how childish we can be. I hope everybody enjoys their turkey and stuffing, and uh, we will see you next week. Uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, Wally. Happy Thanksgiving, Richard. And we've been brought to you by River City Refuels. Like and subscribe. Peace out. How y'all feel out there? Do you feel good? I said, do you feel good? Come on. The groove feel good when it make you move. Make your next move your best move. Uh-huh. I said the